0: not about necessarily what we're eating it's why we're eating it and really understanding why the patterns behind why we're eating what we eat and for many you know in the emotional piece is one of the biggest places to look first. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle.
1: Did you know that sugar has been said to be eight times more addictive than cocaine? And if you're not careful, you may actually be eating a lot more of it than you realize. Sugar is in so many foods by so many different names, from things like beet sugar to evaporated cane syrup, coconut sugar, palm sugar, maltodextrin, mannose, dextrose, and about 50 other names. Now, while it's physically addictive, cravings for sugar can also be for emotional reasons. And this can be rooted in childhood behavior if we were rewarded with sugar and... If or even if we were given sugar to comfort us. And it's very common for us to not really give ourselves space to feel our feelings with so many distractions at play in the form of things like Netflix or sugar or even a glass of wine. And so in today's podcast, you're going to learn about how important it is to truly feel our feelings and how you can do that and also how you can change your relationship with sugar. My guest today is the lovely Danielle Dame, a sugar freedom coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women reshape their relationship with sugar so that they can reclaim control over their health and energy once and for all. Having struggled with sugar addiction herself, Danielle knows exactly how difficult and overwhelming the journey can be. And using her extensive knowledge in nutrition, personal experience and coaching, Danny helps her clients discover a new way of living in which sugar cravings and guilt no longer controls their health and life. Danielle is also the co-host of the Quit Sugar Summit, an annual online event bringing the most up-to-date research and information in the world of nutrition and sugar addiction. And this event is taking place this week. It is free and online from the 6th to the 12th of September. And if you want to access the lineup of over 60 experts in health, nutrition, mindset, and sugar addiction, including yours truly, then all you need to do to register your free spot is go to bit.ly forward slash quitsugar21 to secure your place. So that's bit.ly forward forward slash quit sugar 21 and that's all in lowercase and then when you register you will be able to uncover the science on sugar what it does to our bodies and also importantly why replacing sugar with artificial sweeteners is not necessarily good for your health and in particular can affect the health of your microbiome. And so now without further delay let me introduce you to the lovely Danielle Day. absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Danielle Dame. She is a sugar freedom coach and speaker, and she is also co-host of the Quit Sugar Summit. It's so great to have you here, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Hi,
0: Angela. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to dive in today.
1: I'm really excited to dive in because I haven't actually had anyone on the show yet with your um, insights really on how to give up sugar and how to cope with cravings. So I'm really excited to talk to you because I think it's something that so many people are struggling with and they really kind of battle. And I think it's such an emotional issue. There's obviously the physical component when you're craving certain foods, there can be addictions, but so much of it is also just the emotions that are wrapped in. And I think this can make it really, really hard for people, can't it?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think there's so many, and I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of these today. There's so many um, deeper reasons why we, you know, have you know, quote unquote, unhealthy relationships with sugar or food. Um, It's so much more than just the food. And I love, I love, it's like the highest form of compliment for me when clients come in and work with me and we have a couple of calls together and they go, when are we going to actually talk about food? And I said, well, this has nothing to do with food, by the way. They're always surprised. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about necessarily what we're eating. It's why we're eating it and really understanding why the patterns behind why we're eating what we eat. And for many, you know, in the emotional piece is one of the biggest places to look first.
1: Yeah, for sure. So if we kind of like get started on it, so some people will find, obviously there's a hormonal component, right? So some women and very naturally will crave a little bit more sugar just as they're coming up to their period. But for other women, this can kind of really go out of control where they feel that every time they're feeling anxious or every time that they're feeling a bit overwhelmed with work, then they kind of feel like they need something sweet. Um, And then it kind of, it's similar, I find in people to alcohol in a way, because it almost becomes that what you have before isn't enough any longer. And so you need more and more. What's happening there? Cause I've read some research that says sugar can be as addictive as cocaine. Yeah, Um, Yeah. scary. Science on that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's crazy and, and, and so, so scary. Yeah, so there is absolutely, The physical component obviously when we are and and i'm going to be bold and say this it's not sugar itself that's the problem it's the fact that we're all overdosing on sugar so we're eating way too much and our body can't handle it so what happens is we're getting these crazy dopamine spikes in our brain that are simulating addictive behaviors and obviously there's a whole bunch of science behind it um but that addictive behavior similar to cocaine or any addic- any other addictive substance, right? That kind of gets us on that that dopamine craving roller coaster in our brain and starts actually changing the molecular structure of our brain and our neurons and how they fire. Uh, let alone the damage that sugar does in our gut, right? Which now we know there's a gut brain connection. And when we're when we're overdosing on sugar, which by the way most people don't know that they're doing that. So anybody listening to this, the first thing to do is start label reading and tracking how much sugar you eat in the day. You will be surprised. Um, it's hiding in a lot of. Really really really, really strange places. And when you can start to identify where that's coming in and how much you're actually eating, you're probably overdosing on it. So damaging our our gut lining, obviously collecting excess fat near the liver around that midsection, right? Everyone kind of notices that spare tire starting to grow on us, right? And that's the excess sugar being accumulated in the liver, it's being stored for later because the body doesn't know what to do with all the excess that we're eating. So there's a lot of physical components in terms of the the cravings, in terms of like that drive. But what I feel like is something that a lot of people don't look at and what you're exactly, what you're bringing up. And I think is equally as important, if not more important to look at when we're talking about cravings is this emotional component. And, and when you're mentioning that earlier about anxiety or a stressful day at work, um, the way that I, I teach it and I've seen it, you know, working with clients now for almost six years in this area and really starting to see patterns and obviously having countless conversations with women in this area, there is this two factor, um, areas to look at when we're talking about our emotional piece around sugar. And number one is that in our society, and this goes for most, you know, most of you who are listening, unless you're in some amazing country somewhere that doesn't subscribe to any of the North American, you know, standards and and cultural cues, um, have linked sugar to every single emotion, right? So we see this in in movies and media, in our families at birthday parties, right? Joy equals sugar, sadness, eat sugar, right? We literally every gamut, every emotional, you know, title or, or feeling, um, can be linked to tying it with sugar, whether we saw it in a movie or it's the way that our family handles boredom or whatever it is that's coming up for you on, on both like the heavy emotion side, as well as, you know, the, the fun, happy, joyful emotions too. So that's one area that's, you know, very much a societal kind of time. We have to start breaking those connections. Um, and there's, there's a whole process to do that. And the second piece that I think most people overlook and is probably the most important area to understand around our emotional connection is that we've also uh, been raised to avoid any uncomfortable emotion. So, Right at childhood, as soon as you fall down and scrape your knee and your mom says, hush, hush, stop crying. Let's go get ice cream. Right in that moment, subconsciously, you're learning that it's not okay to feel pain or sadness or whatever you're feeling when you fell down and scraped your knee, right? Fear. It's not okay to feel that it's not safe in the body. We need to get out of it as soon as possible. So we grow up building the subconscious pattern of as soon as we feel uncomfortable in our body, like stress or anxiety or depression or grief, right. Or boredom, like these emotions that are kind of sticky and heavy in the, in the body. We, we we're taught to escape them as quick as possible. And the most socially acceptable cheapest way to do that is with sugar, right? And that's the way that we've been taught since childhood. Usually we're not taught as children to go to alcohol or cocaine, right? That comes later. And that is like an addictive patterning, right? But food all through our lives has become that escape, right? And that tool to help us numb out of how we're feeling. So for instance, you know, that, that person, that woman that's listening to this, and and I can very much relate to this. I used to work in a corporate job as well. Angela, I don't know if you knew that we <laughs> before. And I would come home miserable at the end of the day. And I would just grab some pizza or pasta and a bottle of wine. And I would go and numb out in the bath and watch Netflix. Like that was my kind of every night evening because I just couldn't handle the intense emotions and the disconnection from, um, you know, how disconnected I was from my purpose and the, the job that luckily I eventually wised up and quit. Um, but you know, it was that real inner turmoil that caused me to, to try to, quote unquote cope or numb out and get out of that using food, using wine. I mean, I used all of them. I use Netflix too. I mean, we can be addicted to that too. And that can be a, a numbing out escape. I know a lot of people do that as well. Just binge out on Netflix at the end of the day because we can't face what we're feeling on the inside. So the journey out of that is a tricky one because we have to learn how to feel again. And it's a beautiful life-changing journey when we can honor and learn to accept ourselves for who we are and allow emotions to actually flow through us instead of just putting a, putting a lid on them and hoping they never uh, show up again. And, and really going through that process is mandatory. You know, if you want to build a healthy
1: relationship with food. Yeah. You've got to kind of rewrite what you were given, but it's so interesting what you say, because I noticed this, like my kids, when they've done something at school, it doesn't matter whether it's The last day of term or they just did like a drama exam or something like that or they went to a camp often or a tennis camp they come out with a very small packet of gummies that's been given to them and i always find it like slightly alarming in a way, that that is what we give children automatically as a, as a reward. Because as you say, there's a conditioning, whether you did something, whether you hurt your knee or whether you did something well, here we go, let's now reward you with sugar because we can't reward them with alcohol at that stage. Right. And you also see all that conditioning, don't you? Like you go to the movies and in the cinema, there are rows of pick and mix sweets, there's popcorn, there's pizza, there's very little apart from caffeine that you could have that isn't a carb-based food option. Process carbs in some form or another, um, and I think there is that conditioning. What was really surprising to me, because I'm not I'm not somebody who naturally has big sugar cravings, was my son was looking at the difference as he kind of he started studying it in science just at school at what we call GCSE level here, and they were doing some stuff on sugar, and he was like, "Can you believe that chocolate contains more sugar?" than haribo we have these sweets in the uk called haribo and they're like little jelly gummies and you would think well that's a sweet that's going to have way more sugar but actually obviously it's got the gelatin and things the chocolate which doesn't have much chocolate with so much cacao in it <laughs> it's not really chocolate has, it's not really chocolate no it's definitely not chocolate has so much sugar with vegetable oils and all these other kind of pro-inflammatory foods and i think this is the thing as well isn't it as you were saying is even notwithstanding people may not know about the hidden sugars that are there, even when they know they're eating something sweet, they're probably quite surprised by how sweet that option actually is because you wouldn't have thought that chocolate was gonna be sweeter than a sweet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And this is where like the food, Uh, the sugar industry which by the way is an industry it's a billion dollar industry there are actual sugar associations trying to get us addicted to sugar and it's it's the sad truth of what we have to kind of face and and arm ourselves against in this whole um you know, new new age world that we live in where we go to the grocery store and we have to become investigators between what is real food and what isn't. And understand that there are marketers that are paid billions of dollars to identify the exact bliss point in our taste buds that will get us addicted to their product so they can sell more. And it's it's, um, enraging and infuriating and really sad that that's how the system is set up right now, but it's also a chance for us to be imp- step into our power and really become those investigators so I love that your son is doing that in school and just understanding like even just learning to read those labels learning to look for what is in the food you're actually buying and not just looking at like the pretty numbers at the top but looking at the ingredients like what else is in there that they're not telling you what rancid vegetable oils are in there what Mm -hmm. trans fats are in there and and all these you know sugar and excess chemicals and preservatives you know like Really, we, we need to become obsessed with addicted to reading those labels and understanding what we're putting in our body so we can make a choice whether we're going to put it in or not, right? Um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Sometimes I choose to eat the junk because I know my body can handle it because it's not being bombarded with it on a daily basis. But we really do have to have to start there. And I think that's where I started on my journey, you know, in the grocery store, really understanding what's going on here? Where, where am I trying to be tricked? Where are they trying to trick me and where, you know, where's the actual real food versus, you know, just the chemical laden food.
1: Yeah. Because when you look at it with nature, actually like the sweetest thing she gave us naturally really is something like honey and it would get quite icky. You wouldn't be able to eat that much honey, or at least I wouldn't before you naturally stopped. Whereas these foods, as you say are addictive. I actually interviewed on the early days of the podcast a neuroscientist who was employed by Oreo cookies in the US. And originally, he left the job because it just didn't fit with his moral standing. Because as you say, he was employed to basically go in and observe groups of children that they would get in with different recipes for the cookies. And his job was to assess how addictive those cookies were on those children. Wow. Uh, you know, that, that actually happened. And he was just wow. like, I, I can't do this. Like, I cannot look at a bunch of children and observe them and see well, which one is so irresistible that that's the one we've got to put on the shelves. Wow. Um, but that is what's happening. And I think people don't realize that. And they're so hyper palatable that it's very difficult um, to resist. But then what about as well when people find themselves at the freezer door they even find themselves on the sofa with a tub of ice cream and a spoon in front of Netflix. And they kind of don't even realize until they're halfway through it, how they got there and what those emotions are. As you were saying, there's an emotional component. So yes, they may have been conditioned to always want something sweet and maybe there's an addiction, but also like you were saying with the corporate job, they're trying to numb out parts of their life that maybe are not in alignment with their own values and aspirations. What have you found there? Because um, it's almost like people don't realize that they've just done it. We need to create awareness and sort of track back. Well, before I ended up with the ice cream top, yeah. where was I in my thinking? Yeah, I I, exactly. That yeah,
0: exactly. And that's that's the piece that takes some practice um, is we do have to step back and become more mindful with our with our eating. Right. And a lot of people avoid that because we do have to face some real hard truths when we do that. Right. Like the truth that I had to face that I'm actually miserable and I hate my job and I need to get out of here. That was not an easy decision to make, but I had to face that for my health, for my happiness, for my life. And I'm grateful that I did. But, you know, in those instances, right. If you're noticing that while you're just so mindless, um, you know, big piece of it is that habit. Right. If that's what you do every night, you're coming home, you put on the TV, you're just escaping reality right you're not in your body you're not in your so a big part of this is coming back into your body learning to reconnect with emotions i've worked with a lot of clients who don't even know how to feel and i'm i'm saddened that so many so many women are in this space where we've detached from our emotional body our emotional feeling ability so really you know building in some some new habits this is one of the tools that i use in you know before you're putting anything in your mouth you're actually taking a minute to just check in with how you're feeling that's it Like, and anyone can do this right here, right now, before you put anything in your, in your mouth, whether it's a glass of wine or a cookie or lunch, just checking in with how am I feeling? How am I feeling in this moment? And in the beginning, you might not get any answer. You might be like, I have no idea. I, I'm so numbed out. I'm disconnected right but over time you might start to identify oh i'm feeling kind of heavy or like i feel a little bloated or i feel happy or i feel stressed or you might start being able to put some some words to it and through that you can start to over time build in that consistent habit of checking in before eating and starting to build that awareness with the next question building on that being you know what am i actually craving in this moment and that's that's the powerful question that we can start to use to really get an idea of whether we're actually eating because we need need nutrients, which is why we should eat or for another reason, which I see 90% of the population is eating most of the time throughout the day, not because they need nutrients, but because of some other reason, maybe, maybe you're thirsty. Maybe there's emotional component. You're trying to escape something. Maybe there's a habit involved or uh, a trigger or something else that's come up for you. So asking that question, you know, this, that second one is, um, is really powerful to start gathering that information so you can understand in that moment, hey, what am I craving right now? Oh, I'm actually craving entertainment. I'm craving relaxation after a really long, hard day. And that's why I wanna kick up and watch Netflix. Like we can start to identify what am I wanting in this situation? And then you get to choose Do I want to fill that with food or do I want to phone a friend because I'm lonely or do I want to go for a walk or play a game with my family or, um, you know, do other things that, you know, aren't harming my health. Right. So we can start to over time, build that awareness, be more mindful, connect with our body. And then from that place, choose you know, what it is. Sometimes you might want to choose the ice cream. Great. But at least you're being conscious of it um, versus doing it in a a very unconscious way. Does that make sense? that.
1: That makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I think that is harder, isn't it? For people almost sometimes, I think who haven't been given the ability to regulate in childhood. So yeah. it's funny because I see sometimes I think parents can think the other way and they're like, well, we're not going to have any sugar in the house because then the kids aren't going to eat sugar. And then what I found is they'll find that sometimes their teenage children are actually now because they're going out, they're going and buying sugar because it was denied. And I think mm-hmm. there's always that balance, isn't there? So look, we have, every year we have an Easter egg hunt in our house and we have way too many Easter eggs because the children love the hunt. But then they don't actually end up eating much of the Easter eggs because they find it too sweet. And then we end up donating a lot of the eggs. And that's, but that was there. It was right in front of them. They could have eaten it because they fortunately haven't yet got any, hopefully they don't get, any kind of emotional issues where it's like, oh my God, there's so much chocolate. I've absolutely got to eat it now because it's there. Because you see that in some people, don't you? It's almost as if, like when I was growing up, my parents wouldn't let me leave any food on my plate. So they would always um, say, you've got to finish everything on your plate. And I think sometimes people just have that automatic reaction. If it's there, I must eat it. I must finish it um, yeah. without checking in. As you say with themselves, am I full? Am I bloated? Have I had enough? I don't need any more. Um, and I think it can be hard. What about when someone is, what have you found? If somebody is trying to get over their sugar addiction and they've consciously checked in with themselves and they think, actually, you know what? It's the weekend. I fancy a sweet treat. How can they then regulate that? So how can they be that person that maybe goes and has a small bit of ice cream or just yeah. a piece of chocolate and they can stop so they can kind of have a full stop at the end of their meal, but it doesn't end up being another meal in itself. That's just a kind of sugar laden one. Yeah. How do you well, that
0: works? Isn't that the million dollar question, Angela? <laughs> this is the million dollar question. <laughs> How do we get to that, that dream spot, right? Where even you're talking about not really having sugar cravings. I can imagine a lot of people listening to this right now going, what is she like a robot? How is that possible? Um, cause it seems so impossible to so many, you know, getting to a place where you can have like what I always call a healthy relationship with sugar. And you'll find in this conversation around sugar addiction, you'll find a lot of experts in the space who, who preach hundred percent abstinence for life. Um, and for some people who are, have very, very strong addictive, um, you know, connections and and DNA and patterns, you know, like, I think that's, that's smart for some people, but I think it's actually just a small handful. And I think for most of us, we can get to a place where we can be in the back in the driver's seat, right. And choose to have one cookie and choose to have, and I know this because I've experienced it and I've helped hundreds of women go through this process. And what I see is this is brings me to like one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making, trying to get off sugar And I will, uh, trust me, this all leads into answering your question is trying to just give up sugar for 30 days or 90 days or a year, right? I know so many people who spend a year without sugar and it's all about, you know, willpowering and white knuckling your way through just avoiding sugar and relying on, you know, your dedication to your goal to get it done. And then for most people, 99% of people I've ever met, as soon as that, like that deadline is over, you're right back, maybe give or take 30 days, but you're right back into old patterns and habits because you haven't addressed the root cause. so this is one of the things that I think keeps people, and I'm willing to bet a lot of, a lot of you listening to this might be on that sugar roller coaster where you're off it for a month and then you're back on it for three months and then you're off it for six months. And then you just can't seem to get a handle on it. And it's because you haven't yet identified the root causes of your patterns and behaviors around sugar yet. And for mm-hmm. everyone, those are different. So this is the answer What to answer your question when we want to get, <coughs> sorry when we want to get that healthy relationship with sugar, where we can have one and not let it, it's not going to throw us over the edge and cause us to eat a whole nother meal in chocolate. Um, we have to, yes, detox from sugar. It's a very important part of the process to actually flush that out of your body. But at the same time, you must commit to doing the inner work. And by that, I mean looking at your emotional patterns and connections and rewiring those learning how to feel again, Shifting your beliefs, belief systems as well is a really, really big area to to look at and how that kind of ties in. And one of the biggest root causes and beliefs that I see holding so many people back is the I'm not worthy belief. Mm. The, I'm not worthy of actually being healthy and living the life of my dreams, or I'm not worthy of eating healthy food or spending money on organic ingredients. Like this, I'm not worthy piece. And I'm not lovable is the second one. These are what I see in every single woman that I've ever worked with. And they're actually stem out into our patterns and behaviors in food in a really, really powerful way. You wouldn't think it, but they do. Everything stems right back to the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves and also our identities as well. So there's a lot of root pieces and trauma is a big one, right? This is an area that needs to be healed. If we want to actually have a healthy relationship where we're not escaping ourselves and numbing out and using food and those addictive patterning behaviors, we have to heal what's going on inside first. And for every person it's going to be different, but there's a lot of similarities between the trauma, the belief systems, the emotions, uh, you know, our identity, our, our, um, you know, our habits as well around this. So there's a lot of little pieces and I think that looking at that and committing to doing that work and, and healing from the inside out and reconnecting with yourself and learning to love yourself when we can do that, which to be honest, can take years, right? And it can take years and this is why people avoid it. Um, mm-hmm. That is really how we can get to that that place where we can moderate and, and have that healthy relationship.
1: Yeah. And I think understanding that you're a work in progress, like you're saying it can take years and being patient with your time is so important because I I definitely found that when I was overcoming depression for so many years was it was that inner work but then understanding and rebuilding my sense of self-worth and it's a process right it doesn't happen overnight you can't go from kind of self-loathing to self-loving in five minutes it just doesn't work like that but then understanding some of the things that you say to yourself and sometimes people don't realize um how awful what they're saying is until you say it out loud, right? Because you would never say that to somebody else in a million years, but you have these thoughts in your head. Um, so I find that, that when, when people start to bring an awareness to what's going on, I don't know what you found as well. One of the things I find that people can battle with is when they're trying to lose weight and they weigh themselves in the morning and they get a result that they don't want, that can actually, drive the opposite behavior to what they were hoping for and creating that new image of what they want in their life and who they want to show up and who they want to be is such an important step because otherwise they're locked in their past right which is what they're trying to get let go of and they can't then release that weight because now their behavior is out of sync with what they do want and their cravings get compounded I don't know if you found that was something that I've definitely seen with clients until we work on that self-image the problem doesn't go away
0: yeah absolutely and that's that's what i touch on when i talk about identity we really do have this this idea of what we look or or, you know what we look like and what we should be doing and who we are and you know changing that needs to happen. Right. It's like, for example, when I shifted out of identifying as an employee at this, you know, the the job that I hated, that was making me depressed and really shifted into this, this new identity for myself as an entrepreneur that's empowered and lives life on her terms. Right. So I had to make that shift in order to align with my goals and help me achieve my goals. Right. So a big piece and factor kind of what you're touching on right in in not only losing weight, but just being healthy. I mean, being the main goal here, you know, we do have to open up and visualize and imagine this new version of ourselves that we're creating. And I love that. I always joke with a lot of my clients, like when after we've worked together for a couple of months, we go, okay, are you are you version 2.0 yet? Are you version 2.0? They're like, yes, I'm loving it. Like imagining what that new version of themselves does on the weekends, what they eat for dinner, how do they meal plan? Who do they hang out with? You know, what do they do in their free time? Like, you know, really envisioning this new version that you want to create, um, is extremely powerful. And a really important part of that, because if you don't, you're going to stay stuck in the old version, right? you're going to continue the patterns of what that old version of you did. Right. And, and it's
1: going to be really difficult to shift, shift that,
0: um, if you don't yeah.
1: One hundred percent. And I think sometimes I like, I really like the book, um, The Ego Effect by Todd Herman, where he talks about creating this altered, this effectively this alter ego and sometimes putting a name to it is really powerful. So like Beyonce famously had Sasha Fierce and she showed up as Sasha Fierce every time she went on stage until she didn't need to. Right. Because she'd become that woman. And I think sometimes for people, I have found that when you've created that new self image, almost having a name that you put onto it that you step into. Because it it then like guides every decision, doesn't it? Because when you open the refrigerator door, you're like, well, hang on, hang on. This doesn't fit with my new identity. This woman doesn't go and pull out something unhealthy. You know, the chocolate mousse or the ice cream, what she does is she'll have something healthy to eat, right? And she'll only eat when she's hungry. And your behavior is then guided because... And I found as well... Um, linking it to your values in life are so important because if they're off, then you're always out of alignment. So you're yeah. kind of just getting such a mixed message and that creates chaos in your mind as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And that's such a, powerful tool to use and it can also be used on the flip side too. I think we need two alter egos because mm-hmm. um one of the tools that I've used that's really powerful too is is kind of calling out and naming our saboteur, right? Our that voice in our head, that devil on our shoulder, right? That voice in our head that's like, you know, really trying to pull us back, trying to keep us safe and that's the ego too, right? It's trying to keep us stuck right where we are because it's scary to change, right? It's different. We don't know what that version of ourselves is yet. It's internally it can be a bit like you know, a bit of turmoil until you get there. So we can use that same technique too to call that out. So when we hear that voice coming in our head, you know, trying to hold us back or saying, no, you can't do that, or eat six cupcakes, it's okay. <laughs> you can start again tomorrow. You know, we can call the we can kind of call them out and say, you know, silly Sally, be quiet. Right. And we can actually <clears throat> start having fun with that in a way that just puts that silly Sally on the bench or whatever you wanna call it and, and helps you kind of stay focused you know, you know, in, in that exactly You know, what would empowered Sally do, right? Okay, she's not gonna eat the six cupcakes. That's just silly Sally talking again. And we can kind of have that, that play with it a little bit and have that fun in, in, our, in our mind to you know, push aside the things that we know are not our highest self and not supporting our higher goals and, and helping us step into that.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point, because that's basically your paradigm coming up and it will keep coming up and almost haunting you. And there's there's always this step as well. I find that you have to go through this barrier where at first it's super hard because you're trying to make this change. And it's almost like that cornfield, isn't it, where you're trying to tread a new path. And at the moment, the grass is really, really long, but the other one is easy and it's worn down. And lots of people have gone that route and it's kind of just pure mud. You don't have to wade through the long grass. Whereas what you've got to do is let that one grow, um, the weeds grow back over it. And now you create this new one. And that takes so much energy. And I think that people then need to really adopt so much self-care in terms of their sleep, their nutrition, everything, their relationships, everything they can do to really support themselves.
0: Yeah. And community. I have to say this. So, so vital because when we do talk about something specific, like sugar, it's actually very much against social norms to get off sugar. You're going to have your friends and family and society and everybody thinking you're crazy, right? Hopefully not. Um, but we do have to become a little bit of a rebel and a little bit being okay, being the black sheep, being okay, being the one at the birthday party that doesn't have the cake or doesn't want the cake. Right. And learning how to, to stand up for ourselves and set our boundaries and speak up for ourselves which i think is a really difficult for a lot of women right and and really holding ground when people are pushing you to well just have a cookie it's okay like it's it's my birthday have some cake right like all these um, sugar pushers, we'll call them right. That are in our lives. Uh, we do have to really navigate that. So having community and knowing that you're not alone is so, so vital. And that's one of the reasons why, um, I know you mentioned in my intro, right. The quit sugar summit uh, is so powerful because we bring experts like yourself and we've got over 60 experts this year, you know, to really share all the tips and tools and really bring that sense of community. I mean, Mike and I, the other, uh, host, uh, we really do you know provide that community so that you know that you're not alone on this journey. So hopefully you'll come and join us. But um that's a really big big part and 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 exactly what you said as well like the self-care and really understanding that it's going to be a commitment to your growth and it's like going to university, you know, you know it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to have to study, you know, you're going to have to commit yourself and show up, right? To class and to show up and do the tests, right? So, you know, when when that work and effort outweighs the pain of staying where you are right now, then it's all worth it, right? Then you'll be ready. And then it will become easy. And that's the piece. So many of us, um, you know, are stuck in right where we are because we think it's so painful to get out. Right. And and we're stuck in the feeling gross in our body, being overweight, maybe starting to develop some chronic diseases, you know, we're stuck in this, this tornado. Um, but I hope hope this is helping you feel like, you you know, there's a way out and you can get out. And there's so many people myself and, and I know you, Angela, and there's so many people out there now supporting, um, supporting women who are ready to kind of shift out of this and, and get, get the support that they need. Cause it's a, it's a tricky one. It's a bit of a beast, the sugar
1: conversation. It is, it is absolutely. And I think the Quit Sugar Summit just has that amazing ability to bring so many people together. As you say, the community is so important because maybe your partner isn't going to be that supportive. Maybe they're still in that environment. And I always think if you can bring the people that you're closest to along for the ride, yes, it's going to help your success. But if you can't, if you can make sure you've got a new community of people that are all doing the same, they're all health optimizers with the same goals in mind, and you see each other through, when you then start to show up as that person that's had this success, maybe then your family and your friends are going to follow suit because it's so powerful. I always think, don't just say, do and let people see, let them see you become that person who does that. They're so much more likely to follow suit because your skin starts to clear up, you glow more, you've lost the weight, the abdominal fat's gone, you just feel fantastic and that vitality. But it's just getting over that bump initially because you don't you know you don't build a house without a foundation and it's in that foundation period that i think that element of community is so so important
0: so i love that you just brought that up because that's such a big one that i see so many people Really struggling with is like nobody in my household will support me with this, right? Nobody in this household will will get on board, right? And I think it's such an opportunity for us to break any codependent bonds, which I think most of us do tend to have in some way or another with our family um, and our partners. But breaking that and really standing in our own and doing something that we know is for us, just for us, and really that whole navigating that whole route and exactly what you said, I'm just echoing it. You know, is doing it for you. And, and leading by example, right? Especially with kids, like, you know, you can't force anybody, trust me, I've tried, they're family members that I have tried to force to get off of sugar, it does not work. It does not work, it has to come from them within. So really just focusing on you and and focusing on loving yourself and looking after yourself and what you wanna do is the most powerful way to impact those around you. And before you know it, like I love this, this moment when my clients will come back to me and say, hey, my husband's starting to eat what I'm eating. He's actually wanting to get on board. And my kids are loving this when they hated it before, right? So, and people are starting to ask me, how do I have energy without being hopped up on coffee and sugar all day, right? Because it's natural. And, um, you know, that is, it's just one of the most powerful things that we can do is just lead by example and not try to force anybody around us that we love. And I know it's a tough one I can personally relate to because when we know that something is so toxic for our body and our health, we want to save everyone around us. Like we want everybody else to be healthy and happy and feel as amazing as we feel. Um, but we do have to honor and trust that that's their journey and just be there to support and guide and, and share when they're ready to kind of open up and, and maybe sneak in some healthy meals if we can if they're open
1: to it yeah so true and i think also getting that element of nutrition right is so important as well isn't it because you're going to have less cravings and making sure that you've not got mineral deficiencies you know things like magnesium really really important making sure you're having enough protein all these things are just going to give you that extra help alongside the emotional factor um, to make sure that you're not craving sugar. I I should point out, by the way, that I'm in no way perfect. If I was going to, but I do, I do have a little bit of a peanut butter addiction. And, um, <laughs> especially there's this amazing peanut butter here in the UK called Manny Life. And it comes from these high oleic peanuts from Argentina. And it is like, the best peanut butter for anyone listening that I've ever tasted but beware because I find it highly addictive or cashew nuts I think because I'm just more of a savory person but again you have to have that self-control right I could easily get very very overweight by eating tons and tons of peanut butter and and cashew nuts Um, and it's 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 about moderation but as you say it's about doing the inner work as well and understanding the potentially emotional issues and what's driving those Um, And I think the Quit Sugar Summit just has so many experts with so many in in their little individual fields that people listening can really get so much help and support for free this week and just go and, and sign up and listen to it and really also engage with the community as well that are there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. And I, you know, I think this, this really is an important reminder for everyone too. It's, there's nothing wrong with any of us. Okay. I think a lot of us are going around thinking we're broken. There's something wrong with us. There's not. I mean, we, Angela and I were just talking about the food industry that's trying to trick you into being addicted, like right there, right? It's not your fault. And, but it is your responsibility to do something about it once you recognize what's going on. And, you know, on this journey, you're not going to be perfect. You're not. You're going to eat too much peanut butter. You're going to eat, which I don't, by the way, consider sugar, but um, some people do. Obviously, there's different, different guidelines, you know, around carbohydrates, but you know, really honoring, sometimes you're going to overeat. Sometimes you're going to eat too much of, even if it's cucumber, I don't know, you might eat too much than your body can handle. Um, I don't know if you could actually do that with cucumber. I've never tried it, but um, you know, you're not gonna be perfect. And I think uh, this is where the self-love piece comes in. We have to honor and know that all of those situations that come up for us, where we binge on ice cream one night and we've been good for a month or whatever, you know, those are opportunities for us to learn and grow and they're beautiful gifts. And they still happen to me. They still happen to me. I'm like, Oh wow. I had too much wine last night, or I shouldn't have had, you know, that big of a piece of cake last night, or, you know, these things come up I'm like, okay, great. What did I learn from that? What Mm -hmm. can I do better next time? You know, how did that teach me? Oh, it reminded me how crappy it feels to eat that piece of cake. And I needed that reminder. So I'm trusting in that journey and that guidance and, you know, really supporting and loving myself through that as opposed to beating myself up, which I think is what most people do. And I used to as well. And, um, you know, it is a real journey and this is where this inner work piece comes in and getting the right support and, and really learning to connect with yourself and learning to love yourself and learning, who you really are. I think a lot of us don't even know the answer to that question. And, um, you know, through that, you know, those instances and those ups and downs of life, you know, or when we choose to, you know, go on vacation and, you know, indulge a little more than we normally would, it's not a big deal. We say, okay, great. I'm going to go home and just get right back into, you know, eating how I know makes me feel best. Right. So it can be that, that beautiful ebb and flow if, um, if we want it to. So I want to, hopefully inspire everyone listening to, to know that you can get to that place where you're not beating yourself up or worrying about food or guilting yourself 24 seven. And it just, it really does start with that, that love piece, which is one of
1: the biggest toughest, toughest things to really tackle, but it's so important. So important. And I think as an entrepreneur, you learn that quite quickly that you cannot see mistakes as failures because yep. Their mistakes and their feedback, and you learn. And sometimes you're like, you know, at the beginning of your journey, whatever that is, whether you're trying to quit sugar, you're trying to quit alcohol, you're trying to make a new goal for yourself happen you're like the little stream at the top and it has to go around the different stones and around the obstacles until it starts to gather pace and that community can help you do that and gather that critical mass and pace more quickly. But then suddenly you can just glide over the top of these obstacles until you kind of flow downstream and you reach the big river, right? And then it becomes easy and it's all in the flow, but it's harder at the top, right? That's yeah. a tough starting point. And I think when people realize that and they treat themselves with grace and understand, don't beat yourself up, just get back on track. Just, that's the thing. Whereas I think, I don't know about you, but one of the things I find is people feel like, oh, well, I had loads of sugar. Or I had a drink of wine on a Monday. So now the whole week's written off. It'll have right. to start next right. week. But who said you can start right now, tomorrow, right. today. You can do yeah. it right
0: or tonight, right? Yeah. Like, you know, exactly. assuming you had your glass of wine in the morning, apparently, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And I love, like, I love this conversation because this is a big belief. This is a belief word. And this is what I mentioned earlier about one of the foundational pieces is beliefs about failure. Mm-hmm. We have, we're walking around with so many toxic beliefs that if I fail, it means I'm worthless. If I fail, it means I'm a horrible human being. If I fail, it means I'm a bad mom. If it fail if I fail, it means, you know, I'm never going to lose the weight and I'm always going to be overweight or whatever. Like there's so many stories we have around failure. And I encourage everybody listening to sit and think of yours right now and, and start rewiring that because failure is actually one of our best gifts. We do not, I love this analogy. I love your stream analogy, but I always think of like me when I was a kid or all of us learning to walk, you did not just get up and walk right away. You fell down a lot a lot, you know, learning something new at like walking, right? A basic human skill or speaking or, you know, all cooking, right? How many mistakes did I make when I first started cooking? Like I made some really disgusting meals, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing yet. So every chance that you fail, right? Or you fall down and the kid learns, okay, well, I can't run when I go downstairs. Oh, I need to bend my knees when I go downstairs. Great lesson to learn, right? So every chance we slip up or or quote unquote fail is the only way we learn in life. Like that's when you think of anything that you've learned, it stemmed from a failure, uh, most likely. So when we can start to embrace that and understand that's that's how we grow, it's like a mandatory piece on our journey to growth and and actually building a healthy relationship with sugar, as opposed to something that we should be afraid of, or we should avoid. Um, I think that's a major belief. People think like, well, getting off of sugar, being healthy should be the straight line. And it's far from a straight line, um, because that's not how we grow. So we need to, we need to shift as a mass, like shift our, our fear of that failure and really embrace it and, and love it. And exactly like you said, that was the biggest lesson in my entrepreneurial journey was, and I love the saying it was, um, fail fast and fail often, Mm -hmm. right? Cause that's how you're going to grow the quickest. Like throw yourself into situations you're going to fail at, try a new recipe and ruin it. Right. But then the next time you're going to make it amazing. Right. So, um, we really have to face that and go into it. And when you do, it starts to become so much easier. Now I love failing. When I fail at something, I have a good laugh. And I like immediately think about what, what did I learn there? Like, what was that teaching me? And I get a lesson out of it and I move forward.
1: It's great. Yeah. That's so, so true. And I think that's the critical thing is to get the lesson because it was there to teach you, right? And it's going to keep showing up for you if you don't get the lesson. That's I think people miss that point is that if you just carry on, then you're going to have this experience happen again and again, because it's kind of almost like the universe's way of showing you. So you need to, as long as you take the lesson, you can move on and get back on track. Um, it's been amazing to have you on the show, Danielle. Um, mm-hmm. Let's link to, so obviously in the show notes, um, people can go and find the Quick Sugar Summit link so they can sign up if they haven't already um, and be part of the wonderful community and listen to all the presentations. But also let me please share, where can people find more about you as well and the wonderful work that you do with your clients?
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you everyone for listening and thank you Angela for having me on this podcast. This was such a fun conversation. I love talking about this stuff. We could talk for hours. Um, yeah, absolutely. Please come and connect with me my website is danielledame.com. You can find me on Facebook at Danielle Dame coaching and on Instagram at Danielle Dame. I also have a YouTube channel as well. Um, and I've got lots of fun things coming up in
1: September. So definitely come and connect with me and, um, join in all the fun I've got going on. Amazing. I will link to that, all of that, in the show notes. Um, thanks again for coming on. It's been an awesome to have you here.
0: Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Angela.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, all of the show notes will be on my website over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. If you haven't already signed up to the Quit Sugar Summit and you want to do so, then go to bit.ly forward slash Quit Sugar 21 and you can sign up and get free access there. Thank you so much as always for listening. If you have enjoyed the podcast today. I would be super grateful if you can head over to iTunes or whichever platform you're listening on and leave us a positive review. It just helps to really share this with a wider audience or even tag me on Instagram when you're listening at Angela S. Foster. Thanks again for supporting the show and listening and I look forward to catching up with you again next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe.